have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Joshua, Joshua in the Old Testament. And uh, let me just kind of catch my breath just a moment. We will, um, you know, I, I, um, I wrestle with the Lord. I don't know if you wrestle with the Lord. I wrestle with him all the time. And um, sometimes he just beats something into your chest, and you know it's from him, and you know you got to go with it. We're stepping into a new series called Breaking Down Walls, and uh, very appropriate for the time we live in. And uh, we'll get to Joshua in just a moment. You know, there are many famous walls throughout history, and some of them still exist. Uh, we have the Great Wall of China, and some of you have seen that or you've seen pictures of it. Uh, many of you have seen part of Hadrian's Wall, uh, which was the Roman Wall, the, the farthest north the Roman Empire had gone. But there is Roman walls. The, the Roman Empire was vast. I mean, I've seen them in Israel. I've seen them in Spain. I've seen them in England. The Rome was incredible, but you have these walls. You have uh, the Berlin Wall that came down in 1989 in, in uh, Berlin. And then you have, uh, if you've ever been to Israel, you've seen the wall that defy, uh, uh, divides Israel from the West Bank, which the Palestinians are on one side and the Israelis on the other side. You've seen that wall. But i got to be honest, one of the most famous walls in my life was, in, was the wall in university junior high when I was in uh, eighth grade. And uh, we were practicing basketball on a, a Saturday morning up at the school. And, uh, you know, you, you, you make everything out of cinder block back in those days. And you had the out-of-bounds line, and then you had a wall not too far in. But uh, we were playing, and, and fast break, and I was on defense. I went up to block a shot, came down face first, into that wall, and uh, it, it was uh, the wall was not damaged, so don't worry. Uh, but I it ended up costing me a tooth and root canal and everything else of hitting that wall. That was the most famous wall uh, ever out of all those walls that I just mentioned. And you know, a wall exists to protect and to preserve. It protects an individual, but it also preserves, if you have a wall, preserves a way of life. Um, you have walls that preserve philosophies and uh, uh, different thought patterns, and you have these walls. And so a wall exists to protect and preserve, but it's to keep things in. In other words, just to keep people in or keep your possessions in or to keep in your way of living that you wall in. And secondly, it keeps others out. It keeps things out. It keeps things in, but it also keeps things out that you do not want inside your wall, either an enemy or a thought or a way of life that is not like yours. You don't want that inside your wall. One of the most famous walls that we've ever known about all around a city called Jericho. And uh, let me just kind of tell you the story in Joshua chapter 6, and then we're going to back up a little bit. In Joshua chapter 6, the children of Israel, led by Joshua, have come across the Jordan River and have come into the Promised Land. 
And as they come into this land, God has given them instructions that they are to take the land. And it's going to be one battle at a time as they take this land. And the first place they come upon, the, the city, is called Jericho. Jericho is, is surrounded by this incredible wall. It was I- I- impenetrable. I mean, you looked at it and you were intimidated just to see the wall of this city. And so that's what Jer- uh, Joshua and the people were looking upon. But God told them, the king is inside and all the people are inside. I want you to take this city. And this is the way that you were to do it, Joshua. Which is, so Joshua calls the people together and he says, this is our battle plan. He says, we're going to march around for seven days. We're going to march around this city of Jericho. And what we're going to do is for six days, you're going to march around one time. And it's going to be different on the seventh day. But here's how I want you to line up. I want the warriors in the front. And then I want the priest with the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolizes the presence of God. I want seven priests with seven trumpets, and it's going to be for seven days. Now, numbers mean a lot in Scripture. The seven refers to completeness and perfection. We know that God rested on the seventh day after creation. So it represents completeness and perfection. So you got the warriors, the ark and the priest, and then the rear guard is going to come up uh, behind the ark. And so day one comes around, and so they come up to where they're going to march, and they begin marching. Now imagine all the people in the city, and all you're hearing as you're listening are footsteps marching through the gravel or the ground or whatever it is, and you're hearing these priests, seven priests, blow these lamb's horns, ram's horns, these shofar, and they're blowing that as they go around. They go completely around one time, and then they go back to their camp. Day two comes around. Joshua calls them forward. They do the same thing. The only sound is the shofar and the marching of the feet. Day three, day four, day five, day six has come. And then day seven, and what Joshua says is this. He said, on the seventh day, you are to march around seven times. And after the seventh time, I want you to blow the trumpet And when you blow the trumpets, you blow the horns, everyone in the camp is to shout, a. and the Bible says, a great shout. They were to shout with everything that's in them. And according to what the scriptures go on to tell us, is that after they did this on the seventh day, the walls fell totally down. The warriors went in and did what they were going to do to utterly destroy the, the city of Jericho. Now, we do know the rest of the story. We know that one man by the name of Achan took uh, some things he wasn't supposed to take, and it was going to cost him in their next battle. But they utterly destroyed the city of Jericho, which was impenetrable, and the people thought there's no way that we can go in there. And so this is what happened, and it happened. Now, I started thinking... How in the world did Joshua ever have the faith and the, the, the knowledge even to go against a city that was impenetrable? I mean, they're looking at that. There's no way he's thinking. And what had happened, I went back to Joshua chapter 5, which is the night before all of this is going to go down. 
And in Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, it says this. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth. And worshipped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. I read that, what happened the night before. I thought Joshua's the leader. And you know how it is as a leader. If you ever lead, sometimes you need moments of isolation before you are going to lead into anything. And so what, what happened is Joshua pulled away. He's probably in prayer. He's probably thinking, God, I don't know how we're going to take down this city. He's probably anxious. He's probably nervous as what is about to take place. And listen, if you're a leader and, you, and all of us lead in this room, there's times God needs you to pull you away from the crowd to speak to you. But this is what happens with Joshua. And all of a sudden the scripture says he is confronted by a man with a drawn sword. Now, who is this man? Was it possibly an angel? Possibly. Was it is uh, what we call uh, the term is theophany. And theophany is the appearance of God in human form, which we know ultimately was Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. So uh, was it an angel? Was it Jesus? Was it just a big man? I think it was, I think it was the glorified Jesus. I think, uh, uh, I think J- because Joshua calls him my Lord. Now he could have said that to, out of respect, but he's, I think he knew he was in the presence of God. And here it is, the glorified, uh, commander of the Lord's army with his sword drawn, and he's about to take Joshua out, and Joshua it, the 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 thing says the scripture says uh, that Joshua went to him and said to him it's a stronger word Joshua's a leader he demanded of him are you with the children of Israel are you with our adversaries it's an either or question but look at the answer from the man he said no now. As a smart aleck, I would say, I I don't think you understood the question. It's an either or question. Are you with us? Are you with our adversary? And he said no. And the reason he said no is because it wasn't the wrong answer. He, He knew that Joshua was asking the wrong question. The question wasn't with this man, with them or the adversary. The question should be, God, we're with you. And the the man with the drawn sword says, are you with me? See, we so often want God on our side. And God is saying, are you willing to follow me? And that's what Joshua is confronted with all of a sudden. And, And the man said, I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. This has been a promise throughout the word of God. Now I have come. And Joshua knew that he was in the presence of God. He went as low as he could go on the ground. 
in worship of God. I, I, sometimes I'm asked the question, Mark, what do you think when you're spirit-filled and you're in an area of worship, what do you think is the demonstration or the demonstrative sign that you're filled with the Holy Spirit? I believe it's as low as you can go before the Lord. And that's what Joshua has done. He has fallen before the Lord. And the man gives no battle instructions. He gives no prediction of the battle that's about to take place. He simply tells Joshua this. The ground that you're standing on is holy ground. You need to remove your sandals. Now, we're thinking... Why, why remove his sandals? We know that Moses went through the same thing with God. Why the removal of the sandals? Why the removal of the shoes? In this holy ground, I think the man of God here is saying, listen, this is a holy place and I don't want anything between you and me, even that thin leather on your shoes. And so what happens is, is Joshua is no longer concerned about his adversary. He's no more concerned about a walled city that seems impenetrable. He's no longer concerned about that. He is only concerned with worshiping the true God. Now, what does that mean to you and I today? It's a great story. It's inspiring. It's encouraging. We all face our Jericho's right. And, uh, but yeah, I think it is very pertinent for the day we live in. The first thing I want you to think about is this. We live in a day of many self-imposed walls. You look at what we're going through as a nation and as a world today. We have walls of fear. We have walls of anger. We have walls of criticism, even even among church people. We have walls of hurt feelings and offense. We have walls of doubt. We have walls of unforgiveness. We have walls of unbelief. We have walls of self-sufficiency. And what happens is we've built these walls up. And we, we, we believe I'm going to protect everything that I've got. And we've got these walls that we have built up. And that's not to even begin to talk about the walls of division that exist today. The walls of division when it comes to racism. The walls of division when it comes to po- political sides. The, the walls of division when it comes to economy and religious affiliation. And moral standards. We see walls built up. And we we do everything we can to build those walls up. Because I don't want somebody else in where I have the walls. You all have walls. I have walls. And how do we deal with the walls that we have built up? Number one, we justify our walls. We blame other people. I am entitled to have these walls. I, it's somebody else's fault that I'm fearful. It's somebody else's fault that I have doubt. It's somebody else's fault that I feel the way I do. And the media does everything it can to help you build these walls. And what we do is we blame it on others. And second of all, We do everything we can to fight to protect our walls. 
We, uh, we will do anything we can, even, even if it uh, binds us up, even if we, we are not experiencing the joy of living or following after the Lord. We do everything we can to fight for these walls because it is the place of familiarity. And I've known many people who have continued in a lifestyle of abuse even because it was a familiar place. And we do this with these walls. What's your wall? Well, I can tell you many that exist. And I've probably mentioned some of them. Some of you right now, anger and doubt are there. And some of you uh, are, are critical. You've, you've developed a critical spirit and it's come. Many of you feel offended and you build these walls. The second thing I want you to think about is God is calling his people for a fresh look at him. What God did is he had to get Joshua and the people's eyes off of a walled city and get them back on him. I believe we're living in a day where God is wanting us to get a fresh look at him and not see all these walls that have happened. And as we get a fresh look on him, these walls will begin to break down. Because Joshua encountered the Lord, he knew that the wall of Jericho would come down. Because he knew he was in the presence of someone that's greater than any division, any wall that could exist. And he, he saw a fresh view of God. And we must turn our eyes from our walls, from our circumstances, to get a fresh view of God today. And let me tell you something. God is still holy. The Bible tells us, especially in the book of Hebrews, that him who he loves, he chastens, he disciplines. Let me tell you what's going on in our world today. We ought to stand up and take notice because God has given us warnings. And he's wanting his church to arise. And it blows me away how many of us are walking offended or we walk on eggshells with other people afraid that we're going to offend them but let me ask you when was the last time you asked yourself the question am i offending a holy god am i offending him and we become so familiar with our view of god that we've lost that holy picture of who he is leonard ravenhill I was listening to a message of his the other day. Leonard Havenhill passed away many years ago, but he was an evangelist, incredible, sold out to the Lord. And he was saying that he had a sister who was a little younger than him. And that when suitors came, uh, men wanted to date his sister, that there was a love letter that was sent to his sister. And she showed it to Leonard. And it read things about her eyes, how beautiful they were, and her hair, how beautiful it was, and how beautiful she was. And and Leonard made the comment, he said, I never saw that in my sister. 
And the thought is, he had become so familiar growing up with his sister, he needed somebody else to remind him of how beautiful his sister was. Sometimes we need somebody else to stoke us so that we know how holy and mighty God is. And he's getting our attention now. And is his church going to take notice? The third thing is often we miss God's holy moments because we are not willing to remove our shoes and humble ourselves before him. We miss God's holy moments because we're not willing to remove our shoes and humble ourselves before him. I I thought of this this morning, and I thought Joshua, in the presence of God, just knew he was going to die. That's why he was so low to the ground. He thought that sword is for him. He is going to die. And what I thought is at that moment, and this this just blows your mind, he would have probably rather come up against his worst enemy or even Satan himself than to know that the holy God was about to take him out. We don't like to talk about holiness. But yet God told Joshua, remove your shoes. You're on holy ground. What is God asking us to remove today to experience his holiness? Is he saying today, this is a holy moment world? You need to take notice. I'm about to do something. Instead of building these walls of fear and doubt that exist. He is holy. So what are we going to do? I uh, went to the elders a few weeks back. And uh, I, I, this is a burden on my heart. I mean, it's it's truly heavy on me what we're going through as a world today. I, I got to be careful. Uh, it just really, really burdens me. And so I went to the elders and and I I talked to them and we prayed about how we could come together to call and to cry out to God during this midnight hour. That we seem to be going through. So here's the plan. Beginning next Sunday. August 9th through August 15th. We're calling. For a week of prayer. And it's going to be seven different prayer areas. That you will be given. Yes we will pray about the virus. Yes we will pray about racism. Yes we will pray about school starting. But listen. One of the huge things we're going to be praying about is God, help us to repent. Help us to repent. We're going to encourage you to walk your neighborhood or drive to a location that fits that prayer area. If you're praying over schools, go to a school parking lot and pray as a family. If you're praying over racism, uh, go and find a place that, that you know you need to pray uh, in that area, hospitals, whatever. We want to encourage you 
Walk your neighborhood. Drive to that location. And then I'm going to challenge you to choose to fast at least one day that week. Now, we don't talk about fasting a lot. The scriptures talk about it more. And I'd probably say that most of those verses aren't underlined in your Bible. And the Bible does talk about fasting from food. And and for some of you, fasting from food would be a hard thing. Listen, what we're doing is we're doing without so that we can feast upon God. And it can be food or for some of you, you need to fast from the media for a day completely. Some of you have already done that for a month. I understand that. But you need to fast and I'm going to encourage you to fast. In other words, make your flesh uncomfortable as you cry out to God. And then one other thing I'm going to ask of you is this. Is that as you see these walls come down. That as you pray for these walls to come down. Chris is going to have an area for you to be able to send pictures or to send stories. So that we can know together we can celebrate as these walls come down. Church, I cannot tell you how serious this is. And if you're watching from home today, it's for you too. This is for all of us to cry out to a holy God. Many of you that are parents in this room are going to be familiar with what I'm about to say to you. Have you ever gotten your child a toy and it says some assembly required? What that means is you're going to be late up late into the night putting that thing together. It's like Ikea furniture. And then you put it all together and then you notice that batteries are needed. And batteries are not put in the box. And all of this assembly and time has been done, but there's no power to make it work. I think sometimes as followers of Jesus, we're assembling right things. We're assembling good things. We're assembling churchy things. But I wonder sometimes if the batteries are missing. And we need God's Holy Spirit to convict us and to bring us to that point. God, we cannot do this. We cannot bring the walls of Jericho down on our own. It can't happen. These walls of division in our country, God, we cannot bring them down on our own. Only you can do it. And God, in his way of thinking says only I can do it but I want to use you I want to pray for you and to pray for me so I want you to bow with me this is just with your head bowed and your eyes closed I, I, I want to ask you this If your heart is stirred and you desire a fresh view of God today, would you be willing to just stand with me right now? I'm standing. I mean, you just need 
and want a fresh view of God today. The God that is the commander of the Lord's armies. The God who will one day crack the skies and return. God is holy. Father, we need you. God, we don't even know how to repent. We, we, don't, we don't even know how to take off our shoes because we're on holy ground. God, we, we've become so familiar with how we do things. God, forgive us. God, it's, it's easier to defend our walls and to become critical and, and fearful and angry. Instead of becoming holy. God, speak to us. Reveal yourself to us. Lord, the question is not, are you with us or are you with them? The question is, are we with you? God, give us a fresh picture. Lord, you are holy. I'm going to ask the rest of you just to stand. We're just, we're going to sing... The song, Yes, I Will. And it's a declaration of your heart right now. Yes, I will. It's hard words to sing. And I pray that you that are watching right now, that this will be the prayer of your heart. Yes, I will. Lord, speak to us. Give us ears to hear. Break down our walls, God, even now as we sing.